Hello and welcome. This is Video Game is One Word. I'm your host, Adam Condra. Today is March 29th, 2021, and today on Twitter, people were mad at Little Nas X. Um, had a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about, a lot of stuff in the hopper that I was uh, kind of batting around to get ready for more episodes of this. Stuff I played on my Switch while I was on spring break, and um, a handful of other things. I wanted. I tried to do a dry run of like a, a, a Call of Duty campaign lightning round, because I figured I should talk about something I know super well, like regardless of what's relevant. And um, that ended up being nearly three hours. So I'm not, I'm not going to burden you with that. Um, today, instead, I, w- I wanted to talk about Control uh, while it's still fresh in my mind, because I finally finished it last night, um, bought it when it came out and probably got a little over halfway through on a, on a PS4 Pro. Um, but even on a Pro, that game was chugging harder than Lee Marvin at a whiskey party. That's, a, uh, that's an old game in former line. Some of you may recognize if you're an insane person like me. But um, yeah, I, did, I wasn't enjoying the game because um, I thought, you know, there exists a form of this that's going to be, you know, I could have got it on PC or, or something. And I was like, well, if they're going to release it on new hardware and make it a cross-gen thing, which was pretty good odds. I think they announced early that they were planning to do that. I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll wait and get it on down the line. And then they put it out on PS plus, which was uh, extremely fortunate for them to time that along with the next gen updates. So uh, I started over from the beginning. Um, Cause I just wanted to have the thing about this game. It's weird is uh, well, I mean, everything's weird about it, but it, it's particular take on um you know, kind of paranormal um, paranoia and government bureaucracy and this this weird mixture of what I think are, you know, um, pretty cosmically horrifying ideas and marrying them to this uh, extremely mundane, you know, um, golden age of, a, of, a, of America um, kind of uh, aesthetic, you know, and this uh, brutalist architecture, like that, that particular mix of how they present their story and how they use different uh, elements to convey, you know, what about this place is strange and why it's strange and why it's, you know, credible as, as a, as a potential real life entity. Um, that stuff is, is really heady to me. And I, it didn't really work on me the first time I played through it. And I was like, I want to start this over, get some, get some fresh eyes on it and really try and, um, understand what this game is pitching and that didn't really happen until the last hour or so uh and then i I think the thing that makes this game click and and just really sing and make it brilliant is uh as if you know you know if you don't i'm not going to get into specifics but it's the ashtray maze sequence um which is that's one of the most instantly memorable uh incredible and, and cathartic gameplay sequences in, in the last decade, certainly that whole generation. Um, and, you know, again, I don't want to get specific, but it does something so wonderful for the player and the story because it's the moment where the game realizes that, or where, where the game tips its hand and tells you how self-aware it is. Uh, you know, you're in this dark, um, just aesthetically oppressive uh, a friend of mine on Twitter referred to it as bureaucratic horror, which I think is a perfect descriptor for this. Uh, but it's this bureaucratic horror where you're kind of 
dealing with all these strange um, paranormal events on top of all this government bureaucratic red tape. And, you know, there's this, there's this running theme of which of these is actually worse and, and more, you know, um, destructive to the protagonist's mental state than, than the other, you know, to, to say nothing of the story about her brother and how, you know, her motivation and all that outside of it. Um, but the ashtray main sequence is where the game kind of puts its feet up and says, okay, we realize that this has all been extremely weird and dull in a very uncomfortable way. And now we're just going to give you an action sequence that is bright and colorful and ridiculous in a way that the rest of the game is totally not. And it's the perfect breather that you need in that story. Um, and I, after I'd done it, like, well, I think once I realized what was happening, because uh, there's kind of a prelude, there's this extremely jarring um, introduction with this song that is playing in the background. And it's the lyrics are kind of on the nose. And it's like, OK, what what exactly are we doing here? And then it gets it gets into this very particular space where it just goes full Sonic the Hedgehog, Chaos Emeralds, you know, butt rock crazy. And I think once it hits that and you are introduced into this level that seems extremely puzzling and complicated and was, and was going to require a lot of, you know, lateral thinking and, um, uh, you know, mental fortitude to impress. And then you realize, oh, it is not that at all. It's actually a straight linear thing. And the point of this is just to enjoy it. Um, I wish developers played with structure like that more often because it is, I mean, it's, it's a perfect combination of everything you have in a game from, you know, combat and, um, and just the audio composition of everything. And, but, but the way the level design pushes you forward while looking incredibly spontaneous and unpredictable at the same time, that is something really special. And, you know, I'm trying to think of other games that have done stuff like that. Maybe the, there's the time travel levels from, uh, Titanfall two and dishonored two. Uh, cracking the slab, you know, that kind of thing. I think those were a little bit similar. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to really drum, drum my brain to think of other stuff that compares to this. Cause it's just, it's one of those things you need a reprieve that you didn't know you needed. And when I finally, when it, when it finally clicked with me, what was happening, I had the biggest, stupidest grin on my face the entire time. And it gives you it gives you the extra energy that you need to push through the rest of the story, which thankfully isn't much after that. I think it's like an hour, maybe 90 minutes or so, but um, yeah, just a perfect moment in, and, and it's also one of those things that it just felt incredibly expensive. Like they, they saved this really amazing sequence that has no prior establishment in any of the level designs or any of the, you know, there's a little bit with the platforming mechanics, you know, it's kind of similar to some other stuff they do previously, but it feels like this very, very special sequence, you know, that's just, it, it just made me really happy because I know this, this game wasn't put together with the biggest budget. Uh, you know, 505 puts out quality stuff, but they're not Microsoft or, um, or Sony certainly. And so to see, a kind of one-off moment in a game like this that could be as effective as it was and as kind of extravagant and full of itself as it is. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, meta layers of, uh, 
of uh, how impressive it is and how how cathartic and how much I adore that sequence. Um, and then the game ends. Well, I don't know if I want to spoil this or not. Um, I, I, I also want to say that the last sequence I found to be extremely effective uh, because everything that that you've been kind of running towards as this character, Jesse, as she's, you know, navigating these supposedly new responsibilities that she has and, uh, you know, being put in charge of this thing that she didn't know existed, uh, you know, an hour early, an hour before the game starts, really, I think. Um, and then they, they, they make the subtext text at the very end. Um, which is something that I think they needed to do because the the subtext in this case is so vague and some of it so much of it is built upon you know these very specific things that you would have to do in a in an office or a bureaucratic setting that uh, you know they kind of they're horrifying because they feel um, mindless and inescapable, uh, which is exactly what the last ten minutes of that game does um, and enforces upon upon Jesse. And so, I mean, sometimes people quibble with that kind of thing sometimes, or they say, oh, you know, this is where the writers got lazy or something like that. I don't think that's what happened at all. I I think it was a perfect point that was expertly made by only really stressing it to the player right at the conclusion of the game. And, you know, I was having trouble getting invested in her kind of emotional arc with trying to find her brother and everything. He's not at no point in the game do they really show you their previous relationship and you don't really understand what makes him endearing or, um, you know, worth seeking out because he's never that character at any point in the game. Um, but I think the conclusion made up for that because it was less about, you know, uh, salvaging a person who can't be salvaged and more about this, this young woman kind of, you know, uh, realizing her best self and coming, coming into her own in a manner that was totally unexpected to her and, you know, was, was really thrust upon her. And then her figuring out how to master that and doing that by the end, um, I thought was, it, it made that entire story compelling in retrospect, uh, to have done that. So, um, I'm on to the DLC now, I guess I'll, I'll play through that cause it's the ultimate edition. It has everything. And I'm, I'm interested to see, how they tie in this story with the stuff that happened in Alan Wake. Um, it's been a long, it's been probably, probably since the actual game came out in 2010, uh, is how long it's been since I've touched that. But, um, and I remember playing a little bit of American nightmare as well and not really clicking with it. But, um, yeah, this is, I mean, there's not much I could say that people haven't already about this. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that, really proves to everybody just how good Remedy is and how, you know, eventually one of these kind of post-Max Payne off-the-wall ideas that they have was really going to hit. And this is the one that did. And um, it just works on every single level. But, you know, as a as a superhero game and as, um, uh, as this kind of mysterious X-Files, like quasi-horror... Um, uh, quasi, you know, paranormal mystery fantasy thing. Um, it works in that respect as well. And all the, all the weird bits on the fringes that, you know, would only really come from remedy the stuff like Ati, the janitor, 
you know, who's this uh, old Finnish guy. And every time you hear his voice just kind of pop into the story and narrating, things pick up just a little bit, you know, because it's one of those one of those little flares, uh, the, those little bits of remedy that, that make things work. Um, just a fantastic, it's a masterpiece, really. Um, I don't know if I'll ever replay it again. I'd like to at some point, but, uh, you know, cause some of it, so much of it is backloaded, um, that I think, you know, you might, might could quibble with that. Uh, but I mean, the payoff is just so intensely worth it. So, um, if you haven't played control, I definitely recommend, uh, sitting down with it for the weekend, giving it its due. Um, cause it's an awesome thing. And, um, we should all be excited to see what remedy comes up with next. So, uh, that's control. Um, let me see if I should slot anything up here soon. I, I mentioned Call of Duty. I'm going to try and turn that into something manageable that's actually, you know, worth listening to and um, interesting. And then uh, other stuff on Switch. Um, uh, XCOM 2. Played a lot of that on the on the getaway. And, um, and Age of Hyrule. I need to talk Age of Hyrule. Uh, that's a game, that one will be interesting because it was one of those things where... Um, I was playing it and I was kind of feeling this wave of newfound appreciation for, for Muso games, which I haven't touched in a really long time. And then I was thinking about it and I, I had some thoughts, I had some critical thoughts that I thought were pretty interesting. And I went and I pitched them uh, to some friends of mine in a discord. And I was like, has anybody ever thought about this when it comes to Muso games? And they all, I mean, it's discord, so they weren't looking at me, but I, I got the same reaction from all of them, which was, yeah, bro, that's literally what we've all been trying to say about Musa for years. Or not, not even trying to say, just have, you know, it was established. So, um, we, we might get to that. And then I've, I've also got to talk Hitman 3. Um, I still, I don't want to admit that I'm not really playing it anymore, which, which sucks. Cause I think when there's, when there's content, when there's new stuff in a game, for me to play that I have not yet experienced. Nothing is more compelling to me than Hitman. And then as soon as I've experienced whatever that is, and I've played through it, I just, it's like it, it ceases to exist or matter in, in my mind, which is unfortunate because I think it's, it's uh, just incredible. Um, but anyway, we'll think on that some more and then we'll, we'll, we'll turn into something a little bit, uh, a little bit more rigid, a little bit more impressive, maybe. We'll see. But um, yeah, that's all for today. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.